Good morning, Kalos. As you grab your seats, I'm so excited that we're starting a brand new series all about legacy today. And uh, we're going to jump right into this message in a, in a moment. But before we go into the, the scriptures of the message, I want to kind of explain what this legacy is all about. You know, once a year, we take up one offering where we as a church can be generous with internal expansion, with a, a national, local impact, and also an international impact. And over the last two years, you know, Kalos Church is only two years old, but we've been able to give away more than $50,000 to bless ministries all over the world, ministries like Sophia Way, like Women's Shelter right here in Bellevue, Jubilee Reach, partnering with the local school district and helping get teachers ready for the school year, planting churches. We've been part of planting over 200 churches, and we're only two years old. Isn't that something? And, uh, and come on, you can give Jesus a round of applause. And uh, I love it. I love it. And, and one of the churches that we have been able to support is a church in Japan, and I want you to hear a message from two of the missionaries Kalos supports. Let's Hi, Kalos. This is Ben and Debbie Block here in Japan as missionaries. We want to say a huge thank you for helping send us and uh, supporting us with your love, your prayers, your encouragement. Thank you for believing in us. God is doing some incredible things here in Japan. Uh, we're hosting and leading a family group in our home. Our church is getting ready to launch its second service in this next year. Uh, our church is growing. People are getting saved. We're making known the beauty of Jesus. It is awesome. And we currently continue plugging away the Japanese language, going to language school every day because we know that the sooner we learn Japanese, the more Japanese people will be able to reach for Jesus, which is our main goal in being here in Japan. And a little personal family update, we have baby number three coming, another little girl, so we'll have three little girls. Our oldest daughter actually just had an interview today to get into Japanese kindergarten, so she'll be starting kindergarten next year, all in Japanese. And we just are excited to be here. We appreciate how much you guys believe in us and you support us and encourage us and pray for us. We thank you guys so much for that. We love you guys. Love you. See ya. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for that? So that is a, is a missionary couple that is supported due to the generosity of Kalos Church. And they just say a big thank you. And so we're excited about casting vision for 2020 with our legacy offering. And you can see on your, your chairs, there's a piece of white paper that kind of highlights all of these things. And you can see some of the repeat ones. But one new one that we're wanting to do is the internal one. And we're excited to really presence women in church leadership in our church in a financial way. You know, from the beginning, Pastor Amritha and I have co-led this church as co-pastors. And one of the things that happened when we hired Andrew Jennings as our first Kalo staff hire, which has been a great hire, is people are like, we celebrate that you hired him, but uh, Amritha is equally a pastor at Kalo's church. Why isn't she getting paid? You give her the position but not the money? What's going on? And we're like, well, we, you know, my paycheck goes to the same place as hers, supposedly, would go. And so, uh, you know, we, we just wanted to focus on building the church. But, you know, on a, on a really presence and identity level, we want to start paying Pastor Amritha just because we believe in women in church leadership. Amen. Who runs the world? <laughs> just and so I, I just think this is a big step in us financing our unique identity as a church here in Bellevue. And so we're really pumped about that. But we're not going to ask you to give like we do every year. We're going to ask you to ask God what he would have you give. 
And so we want you to take this piece of paper home and just pray about it. We're not going to ask you to give today. We're going to give you a month to prepare so that we're not pressuring you in an emotional way. We're giving you a chance to hear from the Lord. Lord, what would you have me give? And then we'll collect an offering on December 1st and 8th. And our hope is to receive some big one-time gifts, you know, end-of-year giving. People are looking for tax deductions at the end of the year. But also we're trying to build our recurring giving. Right now, Kalos is bigger than we've ever been. We're reaching people. It's amazing. And we bring in about $12,000 a month on automated giving. And as we build this church in more of a sustainable way and we're hiring staff, we're really praying that that level of automatic giving can go up so that we can be more strategic in hiring and strategic in what we can do throughout the year. And we don't always have to wonder, I wonder if money is going to come in this month. And we can really dream in a planned out way and take some ground. Because we believe that our work is just getting started at Kalos Church. We're only two years old, but we've seen over 300 people saved, give their lives to Jesus. Come on, somebody. We've seen over 500 people in our Next Steps crash course class. Come on, somebody. And I just really believe that the best is yet to come. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so I'm just excited. And so please join us in praying for this legacy offering so that we can continue to be an impacting church. Amen? Amen. Well, let's jump into the scripture for our first sermon in the legacy series. Legacy series. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. I like this scripture, and it talks about generosity being rewarded, generosity creating a path for remembrance and being remembered. And legacy is all about living in a way that outlives you. You know, when we die, there are only a few lines that people will remember us by, most likely. You were a good father. You were a good mother. You were great in your work. You are really creative. And most people won't launch into a big description. They'll just say, this person, I remember them this way, especially on tombstones. You know, I, I recently did a Google search for tombstones, on, and that was a pretty morbid Saturday for me. But I was looking at all these tombstones, and I noticed that there's only like one line, maybe two. There's only room for a little phrase that describes someone's whole life. You know, we have a day that we're born, and it has that date. There's a day that we die, but in between there's just a small dash, and you kind of like try to remember someone by what they contributed, how they're remembered in that small dash. And as I was looking at some of these tombstones, there's some pretty funny responses. Like one someone, someone wrote on their tombstone, I told you I was sick. I was like, wow, from the grave, just like, got him. <laughs> I love it. Someone else wrote, like, uh, and uh, for all my pun lovers, you'll, you'll like this one. Uh, someone wrote, not appreciating puns is a grave mistake. And all my pun lovers said, mm, yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the anointing on that. And then for all my pun haters, we all groaned, right, Moses? I love how everybody looks at Moses whenever their puns <laughs> In churches. But I got a bone to pick with Moses. He says he hates puns. He's rallying all the pun haters at the church, and I'm glad they have some representation. But his Instagram is a pun. His Instagram is Holy Moses, not H O L Y. It's W H O L L E Y. That is a pun. He said he would say that's a wordplay. I don't I don't know what the line is there. That's a slippery slope, my friend. Well pun home, all right? <laughs> all right. All right. Let's pray. 
<laughs> Dear Father, thank you for your word, and I pray that we want to just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. So the title of my message today is, What Legacy Are You Building? You know, last year, as my daughter was being born, I decided to do a 30-day challenge to build a house in my backyard made out of wood I found in dumpsters, pallet wood. And uh, it was a horrible time as far as having my second child. Why am I doing this? But you got you to go where the Lord sends you, right? And I don't think the Lord sent me to do that. But sometimes you just got to get some stuff out of your system. So I'm, my daughter is being born, and I'm in dumpsters uh, collecting all this wood, and I'm bringing it into our backyard. And I, I, I construct, it's, I can't even call it a house. We call it the structure in the backyard made out of pallet wood. And in 30 days, it got to a point where I actually was able to sleep in it. Uh, I'm not super confident it's going to last very long, but I, I slept in it, and I live streamed the whole thing. You can watch me sleep in the structure overnight. Prettyepin.com. Check it out. It's my website. No big deal. It's not about me, though. It's about God. But check it out. Whatever. Subscribe. What, whatever. And, and so... So the structure, I built it in 30 days, but I'm not confident it's going to last very long at all. And uh, I'm kind of contrasting that with a structure that I believe has a great legacy, a legacy that we could all learn from. And it's this building called Notre Dame. Has anybody ever been to Notre Dame? I think they were on it. No, someone did. No, you were in Italy. But anyways, this, this building right here is Notre Dame. And it's, it's beautiful. It's, uh, it's really majestic. A bishop constructed that in uh, what year? In 1163. And the thing that's really amazing about this that's very different than the structure I built in my backyard is that it wasn't completed until 1345. So it took them 182 years to build that. And the lifespan back then was maybe 50, 55 years for a generation. So the bishop who commissioned this building knew that he would never see the finished work. He started something he wouldn't finish. His work outlasted his earthly life. And I just think this is so cool. A generational piece of art, a generational building where the gospel, gospel could be preached from, where people could know the beauty of Jesus. And I love that they had a long view. And look at the beauty of this. Can, let's zoom in even more. Look at the intricate d details of this. You can see just so much going on there. <laughs> just a lot going on in this generational work in Today, I want to talk about our legacy and having a long view of life that we would start something that we don't finish. And I, I think there's a tension that we all kind of uh, enter into where some of us live like, hey, I'm going to live forever. Old people, you die. I'm young. I'm going to live forever. Anybody ever been there? And then there's some of us who are like, you know what? The world's going to end tomorrow. I watched this documentary called San Andreas Faults with The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. The world is ending. <laughs> I watched this docuseries called The Walking Dead. I see where things are going. <laughs> I see where things are going. This is not okay. And so we have these tensions like, I'm going to live forever. And uh, you know what? There is no tomorrow. So let's eat, drink, and be merry. And so when we entertain these two like extremes, we can create kind of bad habits and bad perceptions and how we live our life. When, when we live like we're going to live forever, we're like, okay, one day I will start that business. 
One day I will be the kind of parent I think I could be. One day I will give my best to the church or best to the gospel or best to Jesus. Like maybe you feel a calling to do something, to start something, a nonprofit, maybe to start, you know, a ministry or be a preacher. And you're just like living like you're going to live forever. I'm just going to push that off. There's no rush. There's no hurry. One day, one day, one day. But then when we look at our lives in the rearview mirror, we're like, where did all this time go? When I was in high school, I remember thinking I would do this and this and this. And now here I am, 30, 40, 50. Where has all the time gone? And, and I, you know, the scriptures describe our lives as like a vapor. Is short and it comes and goes before we know it. And so there's that extreme of we live forever, so we just push things off forever. And then the other extreme is like, hey, there is no tomorrow. Like the economy is going to collapse. You know, why are you trusting in fiat money and the banks? Everybody get cryptocurrency because the walls of the banking institutions are coming down. <laughs> Not my Bitcoin lover said, amen. <laughs> You know, and so there's these, 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 these dichotomies and, you know, we kind of treat the earth like we're, we're renters and not owners. And since the world is going to be destroyed, like, hey, you know what, I'm never going to have children because, you know, climate change, Al Gore is going to come and destroy all of us. And so I'm not going to have children. The, the world is ending. The waters are going to rise. We need to just like enjoy today while we can. And so there is no future in this it's this escapist mentality that I think has plagued the church even in, like, end times theology. Jesus is coming, so we're not going to hand off anything to the next generation. We're not going to build something that lasts. We're just going to say, Lord Jesus, come. And in, in some weird theology, we're kind of excited every time the world gets worse because we're like, oh, the worse the world gets, the closer Jesus gets. And it's this strange, like, scorched earth mentality. And I just think we need to have more of a balance. And I want to talk about a legacy mindset that I believe God has that keeps us from these extremes of uh, timelines in our lives. And so when building a legacy, I want to talk about a few things we need to understand. And because I believe Kalos is called to leave a legacy. So individually we have a legacy, but as a church, I believe that we're called to leave a legacy because right now we're, we're not the greatest church, but we are the latest church in Bellevue. And we want to build ourselves in a way that we have something to give to the next generation. Why? Because faith, our faith, isn't an individual experience. Our faith is a relay race. Our faith is a relay race. Sometimes we think, hey, I just need to finish the race. I need to live my life. But the thing is, the, the, our prayer life, our church life, the way we understand the gospel, at some point somebody passed that on to us like in a relay race. Most of us did not invent Christianity on our own. Anybody here invent Christianity on your own? Okay. So your faith has been inherited, Noah. You did not invent Christianity on your own, okay? <laughs> I saw it, bro. <laughs> and so we have inherited because faith is a relay race. You know, in a, in a relay race, you have someone who starts me. There's like four or five runners. Someone's holding a baton. 
baton. And so you run, you're like going super fast. And then you hand the baton off to someone else and you transition together. You sync up your speeds so that it's not dropped. You're not competing against each other. You're not saying, oh, millennials are so much better than boomers. Boomers are so much better than millennials. You're not, you're syncing up so that you can run the race together. You're not competing each other. You're completing. You're not, you're not like, oh, but the avocado toaster. Okay, boomer. You're like, no, here's the baton. Let's, let's move this thing forward because we believe in Jesus and we want to see this mission move forward. And then they pick up that baton and then they keep running and they hand it off to the next generation. Can I get a good amen? Our faith is a relay race. You know, there are people in the Bible who are celebrated, who are given a promise by God, but they never saw the promise come true. Does that make God a liar? Well, let's go to Hebrews 11. In 39, it says, these were all commended, talking about these heroes of the faith, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So the promises were multi-generational. Just like Notre Dame, they weren't meant to be completed in one person's lifetime. In 1 Timothy 6, 19 through 20, kind of lining up with our legacy series, in this big offering we're about to receive on December 1st and 8th, it says, commanding those who are rich. What do we command those who are rich to do? They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves. Why? As a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. So this richness, these riches are meant Yes, we should be entrusted with them like Timothy was entrusted, but we're also building a foundation for the future. And I love this because we don't want to just be like the latest in Kalos Church. We want to set up the next generation for something amazing. My prayer for Kalos is that this work would outlast all of us. That we would not finish what we have started. My hope is that our children and our children's children would take this mission and expand it further than we ever could. Amen. When I first became Christian... I, I was like in high school and I thought, okay, I'm a Christian now. What do I do? I'm going to memorize the New Testament. This is just what you do, right? And so I, I grabbed my Bible and I started off in Matthew 1. It's the New Testament. I like Jesus. Let's memorize this. And my goodness, there's a lot of weird words in Matthew 1. And so I, I, I was like, what is going on? And I learned very quickly about the generational mindset of God. Because all it was doing in this first chapter is talking about names of generations from Abraham all the way to Jesus showing that this was one mission. Let's, let's see. If you don't believe me, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and His mother of Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amminadam. Amminadam, the father of Nishan. Nishan, the father of Simon. Simon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse and Jesse, the father of David. David, the father of Simon. Whose mother who had been Uriah's wife. I mean, there's a lot going on here, right? Sorry, I was feeling it. So uh, as, a, as a young Christian, I'm like, man, what is going on here? How many of you guys are like me? You're like, you get to some of these, you're like, skip. <laughs> or you're like, man, I can't get to sleep tonight. 
Here we go. <laughs> you know, but this, I mean, the whole New Testament that's like really setting up the story of Jesus starts with a generational mindset. This is something that is passed on from generation to generation. And just like that building of Notre Dame, we see that God's mission is transferred from generation to generation. And God doesn't often complete his mission in just one lifetime. He thinks generationally. And I, I just think this is so exciting. And so I just want to challenge us to not finish what we start. And at Kalos, this legacy offering is all about creating a firm foundation that the next generation can inherit. But in this mindset of not finishing what we've started, we cannot shirk the responsibilities that we've been given. We still have to take this race from the start to the next generation. We still need to run fast, and we need to go, and we need to move this baton further down. We have work to do. I was reading uh, some uh, quotes from early church thinkers. This isn't the Bible, but these were thinkers of the early church, and there's this book called The Ethics of the Fathers. And I love this idea of this joint partnership between generations, and that we shouldn't shirk our responsibility, but we also shouldn't finish it. The writer says, the day is short, the work is much, the workers are lazy, the reward is great, and the master is pressing. He would also say, it is not incumbent upon you to finish the task, but neither are you free to absolve yourself from it. I like that. We have to do our work, but we probably shouldn't finish it, and we need to set up the next generation to carry on our generational God's mission. Amen? And so the first thing we need to understand when we're building our legacy is that faith is a relay race. The second thing we need to understand is this, and this is going to be a shocking uh, statement, but 100% is not enough for God. 100% of your life, 100% of your gifts, 100% of your talents is just not enough. Like we read from this Ethics of the Father quote, it says that the master is pressing. And there's a, there's a story in the Bible that Jesus shares, a parable, which is like an illustration or an example of a timeless principle. And he says in Matthew 25, this parable of the talents or this parable of stewarding money. And I want to read this, and it's pretty amazing. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. So the master is going on a trip. He says, servants, here's some money. I want to see what you do with it. And he's coming back to receive an account for what people did. And this is how I resonate with the story. God has entrusted us with certain gifts, with certain talents, with certain resources. And he wants an account to see how we've stewarded our lives, how we've been responsible for the many gifts of time, talent, and treasure we've all been entrusted with, the deposit we've inherited from the previous generation. In verse 20, let's see what happens. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. Wow. The master is full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. 
Then the servant, skipping ahead, with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I had harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I have gotten some interest on it. Wow. Then he ordered, take the money from his servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who did nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And so Jesus is returning. The master is returning in this story. He's entrusted people with certain treasures, certain resources, and he is upset with the person who only gave him 100% back. Does that make sense? You dug your 100% and put it in the ground and said, hey, here's it back just as you gave it to me. But the master says, whoa, I want to return on my investment. You should have even put that in the bank if you weren't going to work hard with it. Then at least you could have gotten some interest on what I entrusted you with. And so Jesus wants more than 100% of our lives. Jesus wants a return on his investment. I mean, you are all God's masterpiece. He's created you on purpose for a purpose. He's put in such creativity in the people in this church. He's put in some incredible ideas and resources. I mean, I'm just amazed. The more people I connect with at Kalos Church, the more I'm like, do we have all the amazing people in the world at this church? This is something special. But we aren't called just to, like, keep it as it is. We're called to cultivate what God has trusted us with. We're called to steward and be responsible for the gifts God has given us. God wants a return on this investment. You know, Rick right here, he actually lives with me and my wife, Amritha, downstairs. And he, uh, when he first moved here, he's been living here about three months. He just got a car, as he testified last week, because of the prayers of Man Night and professionals who get lunch, whatever, and uh, small groups. And, and so he, he's talking about getting this car, but before that, he didn't have a car. And so he would ask uh, Amritha and I, hey, can I borrow your car? And one day he's like, can I borrow your car? I have a date. We're like, yes, you can borrow our car. <laughs> and so uh, he, he, he goes on the date, and we come back, and we see the car, and we're like, whoa, Rick, you've left this car better than you found it. He took out all the floor mats and he vacuumed that car. He, he took out all of these objects. You know, we have two kids now. So there's like almond butter spread around that car and crevasses you wouldn't believe. Oh, I mean, there's like weird like apple cores and grapes and just toys. And sometimes when I'm putting kids in the car, I put my coffee on the dashboard. I forget about it. And I'm like, ah, I just spilled hot coffee in my crotch again, hashtag parenthood. Just FYI, if you're thinking about having a kid, really pray about it. Like, just, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> so this, this car is just so messy all the time. And so we get it back and we're like, wow, he returned it better than he found it. He like really invested in this. He stewarded this responsibility of borrowing our car. I mean, my, my man here, he, he, the car was on empty when he got it. When he returned it, it was full. Praise the Lord for that. My man. And so, <laughs> so hey, you can clap for him. And, and what's that? Yeah. Yeah. He's still single too, right? 
So, hey, go on a date with this man. Date this man. Hashtag date Rick, all right? It's good. He's an awesome guy. Oh, can we get that trending? <laughs> we did not talk about this before. <laughs> anyway, I'm just, I just, I think this is a good example that he left something better than he found it. Man, when I borrow a car, especially in my single days, if the, if the, if the gas tank was empty when I got it, it was empty when I returned it. <laughs> Woo! Anybody with me? <laughs> yes. But I think we're called to pass this baton down, but not where we got it, but we're supposed to run our race and take it further down the road, amen? We're supposed to steward what we've been given. You know, Martin Luther, the, the man behind the Lutheran church, he was once asked this story, or asked this question by some students as the story goes, and they said, hey, if you knew the world was ending, what would you do? And he said, I would plant a tree. And I, I just think some of us have this mindset of like, you know, Jesus is coming or the world is ending. And so we go into this like, hey, let's just eat, drink, and be merry. Let's like just live for today. Tomorrow doesn't matter. But I, I want to pass down something as an inheritance that leaves the world better than we found it. And I would say Jesus is coming, so let's leave the earth better than we found it. Jesus is coming, plant a tree. Isn't that a thought-provoking statement? Jesus is coming, plant a tree, let's leave the earth better than we found it. A Greek proverb says it like this, the society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they shall never sit in. Jesus is coming, plant a tree. So we have a choice set before us as Kalos Church. We're not the greatest, but we're the latest as a church plant. But we want to think in a way that's not just a year from now, 10 years from now, but 100 years from now, what were our, will our great-grandchildren inherit? What will they inherit? What is our legacy? And so we have a choice. We can set up the next generation or we can set back the next generation. How are we going to do this? Instead of criticizing boomers and what that generation is doing or criticizing millennials and Generation Z and or being like Generation X that everybody's forgotten about apparently. <laughs> I mean, right? Like everybody's talking about boomers and millennials. What about Generation X? Right, Joy? <laughs> We're here too. <laughs> We need to complete each other and not compete with each other. I want to lead Kalos in a church with my wife in a way that my kids, your kids, inherit something that's strong, something that's making a difference. You know, right now the Pacific Northwest is the most unchurched region in America. My prayer is as we run our race that that stat would be reversed. Amen. That we would leave this thing better than we found it. Psalm 78 says this, talking about setting up the next generation. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord. About his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they will in turn teach their own children. So each generation should set its hopes anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. It's not enough that we just do our part. We need to set up the next generation to take the gospel further than we could ever. Our prayer, even in this legacy offering, is that the ceiling of what we accomplish as a church would be the next generation's floor. Amen. Go further. Go faster than 
in us. We believe at Kalos Church that success without a successor is not a success. Amen. And so we want to set up our children and our grandchildren to take this further than we could ever. We have all inherited something from the previous generation. Most of us can't name 10 sermons that have impacted us, but we can name 10 churches or 10 people that have impacted us. There are people who have sacrificed their time, their talent, and treasure for us to be where we are right now. And Kalos Church, it is our turn to not just think the next week, the next year, but to think, what does Kalos look like 100 years from now? How is it going to be finished? My prayer is that we would not finish the work God has started through our hands. And I just think we overestimate what we can do in a day, underestimate what God can do in a lifetime, and can't even imagine what God can do from generation to generation. Ephesians 3 says this, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So Kalos, what legacy are you building? What will future generations say about our race? What will future generations say about our investments? My prayer is that they would say, hey, the Kalos Church from the first two years and those years in the early days, they set us up for great success. They set us up to run the race that Jesus has given us. We didn't start off with a slump. We started off with a jump. And that is my prayer for us. Amen. And so this legacy offering, I want you to grab these pieces of white paper. And like I said in the beginning, we're not going to ask you to give, but we will ask you to ask God, God, how do you want me to invest in this legacy? How do you want me to set up Kalos Church where we can reach people a year from now, 10 years from now, and 100 years from now? Because the thing is, we are a church plant seed. And if you have children, you realize that those early years, you get the most bang for your buck in your investment. Kids grow so fast. I mean, if we grew the rate of a newborn, we would all be like 10 times as tall as we are now, which is frightening. And when we invest in our kids, we get a good return on our investment. And I, I just think what, what we're doing now, we are just getting started as Kalos Church. This plant church, this church plant seed will be a church plant tree whose fruit some of it will never taste, whose shade some of it will never sit in, but the future generations will. And as we invest, as we pray, I believe that this is going to be a blessing. This will be part of our inheritance, but also the will we pass on to the next generation. So I'm going to ask you, would you pray over the next month before December 1st and 8th, would you pray about helping us create a strong foundation that future generations can build on? Right now, as far as our automated and recurring giving, we bring in about $12,000 a month, which is great, and we praise the Lord for that. But I know as we increase our automated giving, we can reach a lot more people. We dream about making more hires like hiring Pastor Amritha, hiring an administrator, hiring in the way down future, maybe two years from now, which is double our lifetime, hiring youth pastors as we build and get more stable venues, as we dream about some of the opportunities that come our way. I just believe that this investment is going to help us reach generations to come. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing in this place. And we pray that you would help us set up the next generation for great success in preaching your gospel and making known your beauty. So Lord, even now as we pray about what our investment would be, what we're called to do, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us. 
as we pray throughout the month, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us on what we're supposed to give, whether it's a one-time gift, whether it's recurring. Lord, we just, we want people to know you. We want people to know your beauty. Lord, we want our legacy to be that we built something that is eternal, something that outlasts us, even more glorious than Notre Dame. Jesus, something that we're building with you as you build the church. So thank you, Lord, for all the lives that you've changed. Thank you in our two-year history as a church that over 300 people have given their lives to serve you. Lord, thank you so much for the over 500 people who have gone through our Next Steps class crash course to see how they might partner with us in the vision to make known the beauty of Jesus. Thank you for the over 200 churches we've been able to support as a young two-year-old church. And Lord, we just are thankful and we ask for your grace and strength as we choose to run this race, this marathon, that's a relay marathon. We thank you, Lord. Have your way in our hearts, our finances, in our time, our talent, and our treasure. Lord, thank you for investing in us, and we want to give you a good return on that investment. We pray in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen.